In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are once again here with another fabulous story. I know that I say that with every one of them, but Tucker, we've known each other. Actually, we kind of got introduced because of a Lego store that we had, Alpine Brick Exchange. You popped in one day and then we just kind of hit it off and all of the great things that you were doing down here in Gaylord. And then I know you've been up in the UP for some time and going to school. But again, thank you. Welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump into the episode. Absolutely, Tim. So I'm Tucker Nielsen, currently a second year master's student at Michigan Tech. Right now, I'm actually learning how to incorporate Lego bricks into writing classes for college students as a way of getting them more integrated into writing and being able to really learn. Um, Lego and writing are two of my great passions in life, and I want to be part of what brings that to the public. So, I love that. I, I love that part of it. I mean, like you and I, we, that's one of the commonalities that we have is the fact that we use Lego to teach. So yeah, it, it's definitely, we, we resonate on that same level. So, all right, let's jump into this whole aspect. First of all, what was that narrative that you believed, you know, as far as growing up on what you were going to live, how you were going to become an adult? I know parts of this story, but let's just get into the first part of it. Like, what did you think was going to happen when you became an adult? What was that story going to be like? Yeah, so um, as I was growing up, it's been quite an interesting ride. As someone on the autism spectrum, I've always been kind of scatterbrained, kind of trying to figure out life itself. Part of me wanted to go into writing. I'm working with either writing books or teaching. But another part of me really wanted to get into robotics, computer engineering, computer science, really work with the programming. And I heard a lot of great things about computer science, especially where computer science people can make a lot of money. Fortunately, that's what I went into a bit more. Not really about the passion of computer science, but more about what this field could do for me, what I could make from it, what I could be done for. And I underestimated just how much it takes to really succeed in the computer science field. And while it is a bit of a hobby of mine now, it's not really something I really dive into anymore because I've realized it's just not for me. And like that's really sort of what that narrative right there, that being able to go into computer science, being able to immediately make a lot of money and have it work out really easy, just realized that it wasn't true, at least not true for me. So... I mean, you mentioned real quick there and a little bit about the fact of the autism and things that you are, are, you know, that you have in your life. It's part of your story. It's part of your journey. And then part of that, too, is the understanding that you had a, a decision that you wanted to go into the robotics part of it. And now, like you said in the very beginning, you're more passionate about the writing part of it. So and this may be too personal and feel free to just not answer. You know, it's like, hey, let's go in a different direction. But when did you discover like the component or how did you discover how your autism and being on the spectrum has given you a benefit to the journey and to crafting your narrative. 
Well, with autisms, I actually was not diagnosed officially until I was 15 after dealing with uh, bouts of depression and anxiety. And once I did learn, once I was officially diagnosed, I was getting back in school and figuring things out. I just realized how with autism, even though my social cues may not be um, may not be as aware of social cues as others, but I can still really focus in on people and really empathize with them and really be able to understand them when I get really close and get to talk with them and really build up that connection and realize that that attention detail that comes from being someone on the spectrum really helps out with that, being able to just build connections. Yeah, and that's so true. And I have several friends that have mentioned that it actually gives them almost a superpower of being able to intensely focus on something. And it gives them so much more ability to deeply, like you just said, deeply understand uh, what's going on. So was there like a lot of questions prior to 15? Like you said, there's depression and anxiety. What was going on in your brain? Did you feel like something was wrong or broken? Or what was your belief at that point prior to the 15? Yeah, so it always felt like something was a bit off, that I wasn't picking up on things the same way that others did, but I was able to focus on other aspects of school that others may have not before me, be able to really understand math at a higher level, be able to really focus compared to understanding nuances of small talk or idioms even. Um, so once I started realizing that, I could realize there's something off. And then also, as I mentioned, about middle school, depression, anxiety kicked in just due to chemical imbalances in general with growing up. And just one thing led to another. And eventually, we were able to get to a specialist, a neurospecialist in Grand Rapids. And they were able to identify that I have what become or what we call a pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified or PDD in the West, which today I believe it's currently referred to as a typical autism, where I don't show a lot of the traditional symptoms, a lot of the stigmatisms that are associated with autism, um, people on the spectrum, but there's enough there that they realized that I needed assistance. Yeah. So you mentioned something, and I, I just want to kind of dial in on this and focus in on this one piece. You said you felt off but the reality is that you were just created differently. And probably prior to that 15 time or the diagnosis, not understanding that there was some unique differences and some superpowers that you were gifted with. Can you maybe talk about that kind of a shift? Because now I know you've embraced a lot of what you do and how you are. And prior, you probably felt a little bit of that. I'm not just different, but there's something wrong with me. And, and maybe that was leading to some of the depression and some of the anxiety. Yeah, so truthfully, I really did not fall into that understanding that I was just created differently until college, actually. So after I was diagnosed through the rest of high school, it was just me continuing to figure things out and not really understanding my potential, even though my parents have been extremely supportive and they've been very encouraging. I just know that some things I have to figure out for myself. And when I finally got to college, and especially when I started getting to some student organizations here, some of the programs, and really understanding who I am, then I realized that a lot of the traits that I have as someone on the spectrum can really come in handy with helping others and being able to work in the classroom. 
Yeah. So let's talk about that transition, especially as you, like you said, I mean, you, you looked at some of the previous things kind of struggling with this feeling of being off and not recognizing how uniquely created you are and how absolutely incredible those superpowers are. I mean, like I get excited for people when they when they show the difference and they embrace that. And so how did you discover, was there a hard time or a, a mentor or somebody that just reached in and said, hey, you are unique and you've got these special abilities? Was there something like that? Or was it a smack in the face? Like, I mean, sometimes it's harder for others. <laughs> so... Well, I, I'll tell you this, um, Shriver before COVID-19 was where it really impacted me, as for many other people in the world, especially when I had to go home and had to continue work from online. That's where I realized that even if I don't have the same skill set, the same, the same sort of interest in computer science as others may have that I myself can actually see really well in writing, something that I've always had passion for. And my mom, she's been extremely encouraging. And she's one who really sat down and talked to me, like, is computer science the way you want to go? Because I can see do really well with writing and teaching others and really working with others and being able to really empathize and focus. And so... COVID kind of gave me an excuse to step back, really reflect, and then be um, think, well, I should actually just switch over. Even if it takes me an extra year to graduate, it's worth it, especially with feeling more comfortable and being able to really hone in on my skills. So really, it's a combination of both COVID as well as that opportunity being able to switch majors is where I realized, well, I actually can do a lot of good with what I got. My focus can really help. Uh, my attention needs to open up with editing and just writing in general and be able to network with people. I feel it's really given me a great reset. What otherwise is a awful situation for um, all of us on the planet. And I'm sure that it helped others out like me be able to reevaluate their life and shift in a different direction. Yeah. So let me ask you a little bit more about that reflective time and process. COVID was two years. Did it take the entire two years to reflect and really focus on that? Or was it a very quick process? Or was there a staging that went along in regards to that that reflection? Yeah. So it was actually relatively quick because the year before, in 2019-2020, I just realized I was feeling burnt out. I was feeling like I just was losing interest. I couldn't grasp the abstractness, enough the advanced abstract thinking that is required for computer science. And just realized that it's not something I would want to do long-term as a career. And so already that seed was planted there, that seed doubt. And at the same time, uh, my current advisor, Matt Siegel, he was offering a few writing classes. I ended up taking those as um, quote-unquote electives. And I realized through his classes, um, actually, I could do really well writing. I could, I get, I can get focused. I can really connect, especially connecting with others, be able to share those stories going back and forth. And so really it started with that and kind of continued through the year. And then the lockdowns that occurred actually on my birthday was kind of the straw on the camel's back when I went home, tried to do computer science work online. And I just realized I'm not as invested in this as I should be. I should be changing my, I should be switching direction. 
And my mom was really instrumental in helping me think through, think of my strengths, my weaknesses, and where I could really apply myself. And the original plan was actually for me to apply to Michigan State and transfer down there for an English degree. However, I was not doing so well in school. And when I had applied to Michigan State, I was actually rejected. <laughs> so things just were not looking so good. So that we realized I can just continue at Michigan Tech. And I'm really glad that I did end up staying at Tech and not transferring out just because of the people that I've been able to network here, the new friends that I've been able to meet, the office I'm able to occupy now, just the opportunities that have been coming my way. So like you said, definitely there's a couple bits of staging here and there, but it was ultimately a slow sort of realization before COVID kind of came and smacked all of us in the face and caused me to really evaluate where I want my life to go. So did you believe that the computer science was going to be it for your life? And why did you believe, if, if so, why did you believe that the computer science was, that, that was going to be it? And then the second part of that question too is, if you believe that, or if that was where you were going, did you feel the pressure that you just, because you had made that decision early on, did you feel like you weren't able to adjust or change that decision? Because that was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I did put a lot of pressure myself because I felt I had to know what I needed to do. I had to set my sights. And I know some people were impressed when I could tell them, well, I'm planning on going to Michigan Tech for computer engineering. And I enjoyed that feeling of having my life in control, even though ironically, I had no control and I was figuring things out. So I was, yeah, definitely under the assumption that computer science would be what I was going to do with my life, that it was my end all goal to just go out, become a programmer, make a lot of money, gain a lot of respect, even though realistically, it most likely would have worked out like that. It would have been much harder struggle as is for several people in the field. And just in my mind, I really had been exposed to a lot of computer science majors before going to Michigan Tech to really understand what the field is like. And then as soon as I started getting to my classes, I realized that it's a lot It's a lot harder. There's a lot more nuance to it. There's some aspects I still do enjoy. And I still, like I said, it's more of a hobby at this point for me. I still do a tiny bit of coding, but certainly not as much as I would have had I continued my route of computer science. But yeah, I was just feeling pressure because I had set myself up so early on, especially with going to the Kent Career Tech Center, Grand Rapids, to study mechatronics when I got offered to do that through my school and kind of having that fascination with robotics and AI and feeling really hooked in on that and just thinking that's what I want my life to be. Even though as someone on the spectrum, a lot of times we get in that hyper-focus um, area and we end up focusing so much on one interest at a time that sometimes we just don't realize that that's just a spur of the moment thing. Yeah. So do you think that that pressure to stay or choose, did that come from something that you believed internally or was that because of how you were being treated or was it something that society said, look, you got to pick your major, you got to go in that direction? Like what What kind of really, why? I, I guess that's really the question is why was that, why was there so much pressure and where was that pressure coming from? I think it's a mix of both external and internal, I want to say. I want to say external simply because beforehand, even though I really wasn't 
comfortable in my body, wasn't really understanding things. Academically, I was doing wonderful. And people just saw I kept getting like awards and honors and sort of the pressure that created, even though there was really no outside pressure, just acknowledgement and celebration. In my mind, I ended up creating that internal pressure for myself to keep getting these awards, keeping this recognition, to keep excelling in life, or at least my definition of excelling. It's definitely a question of whether the chicken or the egg came first. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'd say certainly a big factor of that pressure comes from sort of that uh, perfectionist sort of hyper-focus mindset that I had or that I continue working with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing to see too. So uh, that's that's been the challenge of that pressure of saying, this is where we're going to go. And then you had that basic, a big freaking pause button that, you know, we'll call it the COVID, but it was really a pause button to be able to say, okay, let's just take a pause here for a second. I'm burnt out. I'm frustrated. I'm still feeling a lot of the depression, some of the anxiety, some of that kind of stuff is all kind of tailing into this. And now you have an ability to kind of take that step back and say, okay, what is it that I really want to do? So where where are you at currently in your mindset? And how like how do you embrace your your superpowers? How do you write your current narrative and your current story? Yeah. So right now I certainly feel a lot more grounded in reality, possibly because I got went through that and I was able to finish my bachelor's, even if it wasn't originally in the field I had gone in for. I was able to finish it nonetheless and able to continue on to a master's degree. And going through master's school right now, especially working through working with students directly in teaching classes, as well as having my own small classes that I would be interacting with amongst my own colleagues and professors here at Tech, it's really helped me to lean into that personal connection narrative, being able to really be at one with people, be right down there on their level so that I can really understand and really connect and empathize and help as best I can. And so right now in my life, I see myself as someone that is there just to be a helping hand to really work towards providing my skills so that others can succeed, especially for voices that not otherwise been able to speak up had they not had the resources especially a lot of identities out there that unfortunately still suffer a lot of um, persecution just because of who they are. I especially want to empower those identities so that they can continue being successful despite what society has told them. Mm. And so that has really helped with shaping who I am, just being that voice, giving them the tools they need. And just being here in grad school and be able to see the diversity of students coming in and out has really helped me hone in on that part of my persona even more so. That's And that's really incredible when you look at the fact of where you've come from, and I'll use your word too, is like you said, you felt off and now you've been able to really identify your superpower and be able to hone in on that. What would you say is the most important aspect when you went through that whole transition and that pause and that, what would be the biggest mindset shift that that transpired in your head from the way you thought the world was working to where it's working now? For me, certainly the biggest part is just being able to shift from directly helping or thinking of myself and what I need in life 
And while a part of me still has to hold on to that, of course, because we all need to look out for ourselves. We're ultimately the first person that is going to care about us on this world. But that shift from what in my career, what that can, um, what I can do in my career for myself, shifting over to what in my career I can do for others and really being able to think about it from a service angle of really helping others rather than just creating products or helping push goods out, being able to push things out in a way that is directly helping others rather than just trying to sell things off or just hand them to someone else to push off, being part of that process directly and feeling part of it, feeling as if you are part of that process directly. Mm-hmm. It gets really helped me feeling more ironically in control myself, feeling like there's more control in my life, even though I'm giving up parts of my control to help others, to let them have some of my knowledge and what I know so that they can continue going on in their fields, wherever that may be. Yeah. Would you say it's purpose? Would that be a great word for that? You feel like you have a purpose now, more so than you did previously? Yeah, that's really good, Tim. Yeah, uh, definitely purpose. Um, I don't sometimes, even as an English major, sometimes I get hung up on words, so. uh, (laughs) It's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the, the other thought that I had too, especially as you were talking about not uh, basically getting rejected from the school of choice, right? There's a song is sometimes you thank God for unanswered prayers because you never know where you're going to end up and you never know what the actual plan is. So it's a thankful for an unanswered prayer, even though I'm sure that's that was the first choice. <laughs> so in this time here, if somebody is in that position where you were at at 15, and, and I want you to I, I maybe take a second here and just kind of think about it. What would you say to that individual that's struggling that was really at that moment where you were at? What would you tell them to encourage them and support them as they learn about their superpower? I feel the best way for me to approach them is to validate them, to let them know that what they are going through is okay that the thoughts that they're trying to work through is normal and that even if they don't understand right now what they want to do and they really want to be able to have an answer, that's okay to not have an answer right now. The world's consistently changing. New opportunities pop up and disappear. If your job that you want to do isn't there today, it may pop up tomorrow. And so in the long run, it's best to not hold yourself to these really high standards you want to set for yourself right now because ultimately they're going to change. That's really the one thing in this world that's consistent, change. And so being able to step back and to reflect on what you currently like and what you enjoy spending time with, despite what connotations it has, as long as it feels like it's contributing to society, Uh, That's something that you can explore, but not necessarily something that you need to completely dedicate yourself to right now. Because in this time of life, like even for young adults in their mid-20s, there's still a lot of room for exploration. There's a lot of room for growth. And a lot of things change. As mentioned, COVID, no one would have predicted like three years ago, COVID would come in and swept everything aside and change the landscape um, of both like online media and communications, but just goes to show life is consistently changing. So um, I would just let those out there that are 
figuring things out, they're struggling, let them know that it's perfectly normal to struggle and that they should not feel ashamed. All that matters is that they figure out what they enjoy right now and work with those and see if that might be something they could do in the long run. No, that's pretty incredible. I mean, especially for all the stuff that you've gone through. So uh, congratulations on that. I know that there's going to be individuals that may be experiencing or going through some of the challenges as far as feeling the pressure to make that decision. Are you willing to talk with them? And if so, how would they get in contact with you? Or what would what would be the best way to, to connect with you, whether it's social or email? I mean, it's your prerogative where you would like to go with that. Well, for those that do want to chat with me when I want, especially with college students that may be figuring things out right now, especially with majors or younger people that are contemplating whether they even want to go to college. Because I feel certainly college is not the only way to exceed in life. Even someone with a college degree, I can argue that there are different avenues that if one feels more aligned to, they should certainly lean into. But for those that do want to chat more, I can go ahead and provide Tim my email that he can put in the link for this video, the um, description. You can just contact me there. Just let me know where you heard me from and ask me your questions and I'll be happy to correspond with you there. So yeah, we'll definitely get that in the notes. And again, you and I, we've connected and I love the whole idea, the concept of being able to use Lego as a way to be, I've never heard anybody else using it as a way to teach writing. I mean, like that's such a, a really fascinating concept to be able to take Lego and you can use that to literally teach anything, including writing. So again, thank you, Tucker, for sharing. I'm really looking forward to this and being able to share it out there. And again, I say this every time. However, I feel like I have to because if something that either Tucker or myself said or any of the stories that are going on, we really truly mean this from the bottom of the heart. Please reach out and just say what that component was. Like, Just tell us how it's impacted you, what changes you've made, where you're going, how you're writing your story, because that is what it's all about. Just continuing to write your story to craft your narrative for the future. So again, thanks again for listening. If you haven't hit that like, subscribe, follow all that good, fun, social stuff that you're supposed to say. If you haven't done that, do that now. And until next time, thanks. And we'll see you guys later. Continue to write your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.